Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Good evening. This is Dr. Briner. I'm Chair of Surgery at the Edward B. College of Osteopathic Medicine. And today we're going to talk about breast disorders. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about benign breast disease. Um, and then breast cancer, diagnostic modalities, um, the importance of gene mutations, um, chemotherapy, and if we have time, um, reconstructive uh, surgery. So the most common breast disorder is mastodynia, which is nothing more than painful breast. It usually occurs with ladies' menstrual cycles. It also has a strong association with fibromyalgia. Um, secondly, fibrocystic disease is the most common breast mass. These are fluid-filled cysts um, that are easy to palpate. They're soft and compressible. Um, and if they become symptomatic or if you're unsure of the diagnosis, they should be removed um, or aspirated. Um, and fibroadenoma, which occurs in about 25% of ladies, are firm, smooth, rubbery masses. They are painless and not fixed to underlying tissue, which is important. Um, after you rule out uh, biopsy, either by percutaneous or core biopsy, no treatment is necessary unless the tumor is painful. And you could practically bounce these lesions to the pathologist. That's how rubbery they are. Next. Next. There we go. Okay, so what we're looking at here is an introductal papilloma. These are small benign tumors that grow in the milk ducts and emit a bloody discharge, as we can see in this um, lady. Usually these tumors are easily palpated directly underneath the nipple. If not, a ductogram where dye is injected into the nipple, that sounds like fun, may be helpful. If they become painful, surgical excision is um, may be indicated. Secondly, atypical hyperplasia. This is most commonly seen in middle-aged and elderly women in a screening mammogram. These patients have a five times greater risk of developing cancer. Treatment is to perform a needle biopsy to confirm the diagnosis. If the cells are malignant, surgical resection may be necessary. If benign, twice a year breast exams and yearly mammograms are indicated. Next. Poland syndrome. This is an interesting, more common in males. This is where a gentleman has hypoplastic pectoral muscles, hypoplastic shoulder, amasia, no breast tissue, all on the same side, usually right greater than left. This can also be associated with um, brachydactyly, which are small, short fingers. Um, and it usually isn't noticed until puberty where... Um, guys start developing um, their breast muscles. Next. Next. So this is a, this is a pretty uh, dramatic case of cystosarcoma phylloides. This is a rare, usually a benign breast lesion that start in the connective tissue, not the ducts or the glands, the stroma. 
These tumors can grow rapidly and 10% are cancerous like this lady. And how she could let this get to this point, I have no idea. And the interesting thing is, is that these um, spread hematogenously, not through the lymph nodes. Therefore, treatment mas is mastectomy and axillary node dissection is not indicated. Okay. So let's talk about some breast, breast imaging techniques. Um, the breast that you're seeing follows really crazy lines. That's the MRI of a breast, okay, as a screening MRI. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about mammographic screening um, later on in the, um, in the lecture. But just to kind of clarify a couple of things, um, most mammograms you should get two, three years after 40, then yearly after 50. Now, the American College of American Cancer Society has just updated that in March of 2022, and we'll kind of clarify what the indications for a screening mammogram are um, in a few minutes. Um, they're also indicated for high-risk patients um, in, the, in screening for them. Um, if uh, you have a sister that has um, a uh, breast cancer, then you should get a mammogram 10 years before your sister got the breast cancer just to be on a safe side. So that would be, you would get that mammogram when you turn 30. Um, mammograms are difficult, difficult in patients less than 40, um, unless because they're a high risk. And the reason is, is and in ladies that are under 40 years of age, their, their dense parenchyma is very, their breast parenchyma is very dense and it's hard to interpret um, these mammograms. So what do you do? You go to an MRI. MRIs are recommended for women with known BRAC mutation, and we'll go over that later. Those who have not undergone genetic testing, but who do have a first degree relative with a known mutation or breast cancer prior to menopause, women with a greater to 20 to 25% lifetime risk of breast cancer, and women who have a history of chest irradiation between 10, between 10 and 30 years of age. Diagnostic breast MRIs are indicated in new diagnosis of breast cancer, particularly, particularly in the presence of lobular cancer or dense breast tissue. Next. Thank you. So mammogram, approximately 90% sensitive and specific for breast cancer. That's why these screening mammograms are so important. Um, they're more sensitive as the patient ages because fat replaces the uh, dense breast tissue and makes it easier, easier to pick up breast cancers. Um, finding consistent with breast cancer are irregular borders, um, speculations, calcifications, and architectural distortion. So what happens if, if you diagnose a breast mass? How do you work that up? Um, you can, if you can palpate it or not palpate it, you can have, do an ultrasound and cord needle biopsy. If the lady is older, 40, 40, you can add bilateral mammograms. If the lady is less than 40, you can add bilateral mammograms. So exam or ultrasound is either indeterminate or you're suspicious for cancer. If cord needle biopsy is, is 
not consistent with your exam, non-diagnostic or otherwise, just perform an excisional biopsy. If the mass is a cyst, a bloody cyst fluid on aspiration requires excisional biopsy. So basically, the bottom line is if you're unsure, do um, an excisional biopsy if it's a cystic mass. Finding the aspiration is great, but it's just going to show you cytology, which may or may not show you cancer. Core needle biopsy is an excellent to, to, tool for um, solid masses, but for if it's a cyst, um, it's not that um, uh, not that accurate because a lot of the cyst is fluid. That's why you need to remove the entire cyst. Next slide, please. So up on the left, we have three great pictures of one, um, a small uh, introductal um, breast carcinoma. Um, the middle one is a little bit larger uh, breast cancer. And finally, the mammogram on the right shows you extraordinarily large multicentric breast cancer. The breast on MRI on the bottom is, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. That shows a multicentric, multi-calcified uh, breast malignancy. And then if you look at the ultrasound, um, the top ultrasound shows a hypoechogenic mass, but it's nice and smooth. There's no architectural distortion um, as opposed to the one on the bottom where the masses is all over the place. You can sp see the calcifications in the middle. Um, and so the lower is much more suggestive of cancer because of those reasons. Next, please. Okay, so BIRADS. So BIRADS, actually I had to look this up. That is Breast Imaging Recording and Data System. So that's what our contribution from our radiologists. So really there's more, um, more than uh, one through five. Um, there's actually zero to six and multiple subcategories for that. But for surgeons, you know, surgeons, we know nothing, but we do everything. We are just going to stick to the first five, okay? So if it's a BIRAD 1, it's negative, um, then just routine screening. If it's level 2 and, it, and the lesion on the mammogram looks benign, just routine screening. Um, if it's 3, it's probably benign, but you're not really quite sure. Just do another mammogram as a follow-up in six months. If it's suspicious, then you need a core needle biopsy to rule out breast cancer. And if it's, um, and that's level four and level five, if it's highly suggestive of breast cancer, um, then you must definitely need a, uh, need a uh, core needle biopsy. But basically, if you're unsure of the diagnosis, just get a piece of the tissue and send it to the pathologist to be on the safe side. Next, please. Okay, breast cancer. Risk is one in eight women, that's 12%. Screening decreases risk of death by 25%. That's why screening is so important. If untreated, the median survival is only two to three years. So bone is the most common site for distant metastasis, okay? Axillary lymph nodes are the most common site for metastasis. But 
Bone is the most common site for distant metastasis, okay? Of all cases, 10% have negative uh, mammogram and negative ultrasound. That's not much. That means 90% is pretty daggone good. Exam features may include nipple distortion, retraction, firm fixed mass. What are the risk factors? Caucasian race, female um, being female, age greater than 50, early men menarche, having no children, um, first pregnancy late in life, late menopause, history of breast cancer and first degree relatives, prior to breast cancer or atypical ductal hyper hyperplasia, and BRAC1 and BRAC2. And we'll go over that um, a little bit more later. Next slide, please. So types of breast cancer, ductal carcinoma in situ. This is also called intraductal carcinoma. This is breast cancer without invasion of the basin membrane. The ductal epithelium prolif proliferates, result resulting in comedo, cribriform, or papillary growth pattern. This is a precursor of ductal adenocarcinoma. Five times increased in ipsilateral breast cancer. Usually affects women in their fifth to sixth decades. 15 to 20% of the female and 5% of male breast ca cancer cases. Diagnosed, um, okay, thanks. <laughs> Diagnosed by routine mammogram showing microcalcifications, treatments. We'll go over that a little bit later. And cystosarcoma phylloides, we've already talked about. Next slide. Thank you. So this is a great case. This is a case of Paget's disease. Um, this actually has ha happened to, to me occasionally in my, uh, my practice. A patient comes in, elderly lady, 50, 55, and they have seen a dermatologist or family doctor with this lesion, which is occupying her navel. And they, they look at it and they treat it for eczema for months and months and months and months and months. And months. And it just doesn't go away. Why not? Because it's most likely invasive um, uh, ductal carcinoma. So when you see this, this is uh, really just pathognomic for Paget's disease. You do a biopsy, and most oftentimes they'll need a, um, a uh, lumpectomy with lymph node removal. Next slide, please. So let's talk about invasive lobular carcinoma. This accounts for about 10% of breast cancer. Lobular carcinoma in situ is not a precursor to ductal adenocarcinoma. So this begins with the lobules, which are the milk-producing glands, typically seen in premenopausal Caucasian women in the fifth decade. This has a high incidence of bilaterally. Now, I looked at the literature, and I've seen everything between 10 to 36% chance of bilateral um, cancer with lobular carcinoma. I think 36% is too high. I would say more like 10 to 20% risk of being bilateral. So what does that mean? If it's in one breast, you got to look at the other one and make sure that doesn't have lobular carcinoma as well. So this is really cool. Symptoms are thickening in fullness of the breast tissue. Thickening and fullness. 
not a lump. So this is difficult to diagnose on mammogram because there's no lump. So that is why an MRI is a diagnostic, diagnostic procedure of choice. Treatment is unilateral or bilateral mastectomy and treatment also with tamoxifen, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Next slide, please. Ductal carcinoma. This is the most common cancer in females, common present, commonly present in postmenopausal women. Lifetime incidence is about 12%. Classic presentation is painless, firm, and fixed mass. May also have firm axillary lymph nodes as well. This is why breast self-exams are so important. Later, you may see skin retraction, nipple inversion, skin cha changes, pull the orange. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm German, sorry. Um, bleeding and ulceration. Um, this also can be associated with Paget's disease of the breast. Next slide, please. So this is a great, this is just a great example of nipple retraction. So that cancer is down below that nipple, just pulling on those ligaments and just sucking that nipple in. Next slide, please. And this is the same thing involving Cooper's ligament. ligament. Cooper's ligament are the suspensory ligaments of the breast. And so you get this, this, this skin retraction, that cancer just pulling those ligaments tight. Next slide, please. And pulled the orange. So this is associated with advanced cancer, secondary detention on Cooper's ligament. But more, but more importantly, this is due to lymphatic blockage. This is all of the last uh, slides I've shown you are pathognomonic or almost pathognomonic for breast cancer. Next slide, please. Inflammatory breast cancer. This looks like an abscess or more, more likely like cellulitis, a breast infection um, of the breasts. Um, so get a, you, you need to get a biopsy. And histology will demonstrate lymphatic invasion. This is considered a T4 lesion. We'll briefly go over those stagings, which is a very aggressive cancer. And in this cancer, because it is so widespread, you first do neoadjuvant therapy and after that, you come back and do a modified radical mastectomy. Next slide, please. Okay, let's talk about breast cancer and pregnancy. So during the first and second trimesters, breast irradiation is contradicted and treatment includes mastectomy. You may perform surgery in second or third trimester. No radio sulfur colloid, colloid. So that is the uh, that is the um, uh, radioactive substance that you use when you're doing a sentinel node biopsy. So you don't want to use that in a pregnant patient because it has radioactivity to it. Um, uh, chemo be, may be given after the first trimester. Breast cancer in males has a worse prognosis. It's usually invasive. Ductal cancer, invasive ductal cancer, 
It's less than 1% of all cancer cases. It's very, very rare. Um, usually involves the pectoral uh, muscle because it doesn't have all that breast as a buffer. Um, and the treatment is performed mastectomy and sentinel node biopsy. Next slide, please. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about staging of breast cancer. You can go nuts trying to memorize all this, but you need to know this from the boards. But basically, T is the size of the lesion. And you can see that there's a lot of different, there's T1 to T4, and T4 means that there's uh, skin and um, chest wall involvement. And then you have to look, it's TNM. So T is tumor size, N stands for nodes, and you can see all the different N1, N2, and N3. And the lymph nodes we're looking at are um, the level one, which are lateral to the um, pec minor, level two, deep to the pec minor, and level three, medial to the pec minor. And you can see that in the upper right um, uh, diagram. And of course, this lady has a T4, um, uh, lesion and um, axillary metastasis. So um, this is not a good prognosis for her. Next slide, please. So we're going to, I'm going to have you guys look at this as on your own because they keep updating and changing these stages. But just remember that it goes from stage one and stage two breaks down all depending on the size of the nodes and size of the tumor. Um, and then stage three and stage four, progressive to um, uh, uh, metastatic disease. So a T4 lesion is metastatic to the bone, lung, or brain. And like I said, distant metastasis is most commonly seen in the bone. Next slide, please. Okay, so what are your treatment options? Um, most, I would say most of the procedures done now are breast conserving therapy. Um, that's lumpectomy with sentinel lymph node biopsy and radiation. Um, mastectomy plus sentinel node biopsy is another choice. Modified radical mastectomy um, is not performed as much as it used to be, um, but some surgeons do perform it, and there are some indications. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, axillary lymph node dissection, modified radical mastectomy, like we just said, is uh, it's when you take out the entire breast and actually lymph nodes are removed. These are indicated with tumors greater than five centimeters in di diameter, really large tumors, um, inflammatory breast disease, and when you have tumors all over the place. Um, Contraindications contra to breast-conserving surgery, that is lumpectomy and sentinel node biopsy, previous radiation to the affected breast, multicentric disease, a lot of cancer in that breast, <clears throat> so, or a large tumor relative breast size that would result in an unacceptable cosmesis. So if you have a three and a half centimeter uh, breast cancer in a lady that has very, very little breast tissue, you're going to want to go ahead and do a mastectomy and reconstruction. Otherwise, you will just distort the breast horribly or high risk of local uh, recurrence. 
So axillary dissection is indicated for a positive sentinel lymph node biopsy. So if you're doing your um, axillary, so if you're doing your lumpectomy and you're doing your sentinel lymph nodes and you find a positive lymph node on frozen section, then that patient must be told beforehand that they may have to have a formal axillary node dissection. Okay. Um, another indication is known lymph node disease, um, either by palpation, uh, fine needle aspirate, aspirate or um, core biopsy. And of course, present pres presence of inflammatory breast cancer. If you have that, you get the works. Next slide, please. So here on the upper left is the um, sentinel node biopsy. So what, what the surgeon um, will do, well, they, they will inject a radioactive substance and also usually has blue in it as well. Um, and they'll wait several hours and that blue dye blue radioactive dye will get picked up by what you see here is the blue node. Okay. That is a sentinel node. Think of it as like being in, in the arm, army and you're on patrol and you're the sentinel guard. Okay. That you are the first person to see the enemy. This node is the first node to pick up any sort of, um, uh, inflammatory cells or any sort of, abnormal lymphatic drainage, this is the node that picks it up. And this is the node that you usually biopsy, okay? Now, the truth of the matter is you usually just don't pick out one node. Um, you usually pick, up, pick out multiple nodes. And if you can't see the blue dye, which, what the radioactivity does is you actually, hand, you actually hand hold like a Geiger counter and you kind of go over the breast and it will tell you with a really kind of weird noise um, that you're over the involved lymph node. So you take that lymph node out and you take out a couple more with them, almost like a cluster of grapes, send them to the pathologist, and if they're all negative, you're in good shape. Okay, um, sorry uh, for that pause. Um, evidently, I live up on a mountain in Roanoke, and I guess there's a bear out in the backyard, and dogs are going crazy, so we're trying to keep them under control. So on the right side, you'll see a modified radical mastectomy. So this is a very interesting way to do it, where you remove the breast as well as the lymph nodes and present it to the pathologist as one specimen. Next slide. Okay, radiation therapy is often, often used in combination with breast-conserving surgery. It is contraindicated in the first and second trimesters of pregnancy. It's contraindicated in patients that have a prior history of chest wall radiation, but it really decreases the rate of local recurrence. Elderly, elderly patients with hormone receptor positive tumors who are treated with adjuvant hormone ther therapy may not require radiation therapy. Next slide. The Ampsite Smackdown podcast is going live. Reserve your seat for our upcoming live Ampsite review conference. Can't travel? On call? No problem. This online conference is recorded so you can catch up anytime. Reserve your spot by visiting us at AbsiteSmackdown.com and selecting latest news for more information. Okay, chemotherapy. We're going to kind of go really fast now because um, I'm running out of time. 
Uh, it's beneficial to all patients who have a high risk of relapse, no matter what their nodal status may be. It can generally be withheld in small tumors less than a centimeter. Um, decreases recurrence rate by 30%, which is considerable. Combinations vary, uh, but those containing atherocyclines, 5-FU, and the others are um, very, very effective. Next slide. So tamoxifen is very important for patients that are estrogen receptor positive. It is an estrogen receptor um, antagonist. It is extremely effective. Um, you give 20 milligrams um, for five years. Um, it blocks estrogen, which feeds estrogen receptor breast cancer. It's like a, a, a drug for the cancer to grow. Um, it reduces the risk of recurrent and contralateral breast cancer. Um, it's also used for prevention of, prevention of high-risk um, groups. Um, the bad side is that it will increase the risk of endometrial uh, cancer, stroke, and thromboletic events. So the patients need to do that. Um, but also another benefit, it will also um, increase bone density. Next slide. Um, Herceptin is a great drug if the patient is HER2 positive uh, breast cancer. Um, this drug will um, target uh, the breast cancer. Um, it is a monoclonal an antibody, um, which is present in about, um, so this uh, receptor is present in about 10 to 20% of breast cancer. And Herceptin is extraordinarily effective if the patient has this um, receptor. Next slide, please. Okay, so indications for genetic, genetic screening for breast cancer. So this on the left are the new, um, sorry about my barking dogs. Hope that bear runs away. They'll drive me nuts. Uh, so these are the new breast cancer screening guidelines, okay? So if you're age 40, um, you, the patient has a, uh, you know, give the patient an opportunity to say, yes, I want to get a screening mammogram, okay, unless they're high risk. At age 45, you see that you ought to get yearly um, uh, mammograms, and then you can read this on age 55 and age 55 plus, okay? Um, so what's really important on this slide, though, are indications for gen genetic screening for breast cancer. Patients with known BRAC uh, mutation, male relative with breast cancer, personal history of breast cancer, personal history of ovarian cancer, diagnosis of breast cancer less than 40 years old, diagnosis of breast cancer um, uh, less than 50 years of age, or two breast cancers, bilateral disease, or ipsilateral breast cancer, and you have a first or second degree relative with breast cancer, um, or less than 50 years, and first or second degree has ovarian cancer um, or history of ovarian cancer. Personal history of male breast cancer, if, the, if your brother has breast cancer, you need to be tested for um, BRAC1 um, uh, and 2 genetic testing. Um, next slide, please. Okay, so this really kind of tells you how important this BRAC1 and BRAC2 is. 
So if you're BRAC1 positive, okay, you have an increased risk of cancer, um, breast cancer, 80%. And you have a risk of increased risk of ovarian cancer, 40%. Okay. So for this, and also for BRAC2, where you have an increased risk of 60% of breast cancer, um, uh, and a risk of increased risk of ovarian uh, cancer by 25%, these patients need prophylactic mastectomies and bilateral salpingo-ophorectomies, okay? That's how important it is to get tested for breast cancer. And you can read all this on your own in the interest of time, but it's very, very, very helpful. Next slide, please. Okay, so this is unusual complication following axillary node dissection. This is called Stewart-Treve syndrome, and it's lymphoangiosarcoma from chronic lymphedema. So that's why we just don't jump to doing a total axillary node dissection, because these patients will get chronic lymphedema. That's why we're, that's why we're moving towards a sentinel node biopsy, so you don't take all the patient's lymph nodes out, they develop chronic lipedema, which can cause cancer. And even if it doesn't cause cancer, it is a chronic problem. That's why the, um, the um, invention of sentinel lymph node biopsy for breast cancer has just been a game changer for most patients. Next slide, please. The Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit the Smackdown at AbsiteSmackdown.com. So last but not least, just a couple words on um, breast reconstruction. So after you do a total mastectomy on a patient on the left, this patient had a transverse rectus um, abdominal um, free flap where they, the surgeons, the plastic surgeons used the deep inferior epigastric um, blood vessels and they hooked them up into the blood vessels into the axilla. And essentially you see that incision on the upper left-hand side, that smiley face incision on the abdomen, that is tissue that would normally be removed in a tummy tuck, right? But what they're doing, what the plastic surgeon did was they use that tissue and with its own blood supply and made a beautiful breast on the left-hand side. Then they go back and they tattoo the nipple ruler complex. And then by using local skin flaps, they can create a nipple. So that's a tram flap. Now on the lower right, that is a soft tissue expansion. So what they do here is they put a soft tissue expander after a mastectomy underneath the pectoralis major muscle. And every week the lady comes in and you expand that expander to about um, one and a half size of the uh, one and a half size of the implant that you want to put in. And after expanding that breast for six weeks, you take the expander out and then you put in a silicone gel implant in the submuscular position. And that works best for bilateral mastectomies. That's where you get your best results. Next slide, please. Okay, so um, an otherwise 42-year-old lady presents to your office. While performing a self-breast exam, she noticed a two-centimeter rubbery smooth non-tender lump 
just lateral to her right nipple. Physical exam confirms this. The most likely, uh, this most likely represents what? Give you a minute or so to look at the choices. Think of a bouncy ball. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, next slide. Fibroadenoma, right. Tip off. They are just rubbery and non-fixed, and you should be able to uh, diagnose this on physical exam. But if you're not certain, then you're going to move on to doing a biopsy. So a young lady comes in with no family history of breast cancer and asks her gynecologist, hey, you know, I hear all this stuff in the media. Um, my mom has fibrocystic disease. What is my overtime risk of developing breast cancer? I'll give you five, four, three, two. Next slide. 12%. Okay. 12% is their overall risk of developing breast cancer if they have no other risk factors for a lady. Next slide, please. Oh, this is a gimme. You know, these are NBMOE style questions, and this is what you're going to be seeing on your exam. So a 76-year-old presents a surgeon with a seven-month history of red scaly and crushing lesion on a right nipple areolar complex. Topical steroids aren't going to work because why? What is it? Next slide. Paget's disease, right. Highly suspicious. Get that thing biopsy. Get that cancer out of there. It's almost happy hour. Let's go to the next slide. Thanks for listening to the Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit us at AbsightSmackdown.com for more great Absite facts. 80-year-old female presents her oncologist with 9-centimeter duffel carcinoma. That's like the size of a softball, right? That's big. That involves the majority of her right best breast. New neoadjuvant preoperative chemo and radiation therapy is recommended. Why? A little bit tougher. Two, one, next. Because it may reduce the size of the tumor volume and improve operability. So if you get these huge tumors or inflammatory breast cancer, okay, you got to do pre-op treatment before you take that lesion or the cancer out, okay? Um, and... The prognosis for these patients aren't very good. All right, last one. 65-year-old woman presents with office for evaluation of one centimeter breast mass. Needle biopsy reveals an invasive ductal carcinoma. Metastatic workup is negative. She is BRAC1 and BRAC2 negative. Her mother died of breast cancer. That's why they got the BRAC1 and BRAC2 gene um, uh, tests, but they were negative, so... Um, so what is the procedure she is most likely to undergo? This is another give me, but this is what you're going to see. Next slide. Lumpectomy with sentinel node biopsy. This is becoming the standard care of uh, uh, standard care for small and medium-sized breast cancers. Um, 
I guess do we open it up for questions at this time, or did I run over too much? We have plenty of time for questions if anyone has a question and would like to ask. Look like looks like everyone's quiet. All right. <laughs> I was gonna say on the last on the last oh. one, I gave the wrong email. If you guys do have questions after the lecture that you want to send, you can email us at info at thehealthcarelab.org, not absitesmackdown.org. I'm so sorry I said the wrong email the last time. Dr. Briner, thank you so much. Any final words from you? Well, I just got to deal with this bear, bear situation. Sorry about the dogs. So anyway, that's what you get for living up in, up in the woods on a mountain. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Sorry I ran over time. Please apologize to the next presenter. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you hopefully next year. Thanks, Jessica. I appreciate all your help. Get more AppSite content in your daily routine. Visit us on Instagram at daily.appsite.fact, on Facebook at AppSite Smackdown, or LinkedIn at AppSite Smackdown. And you can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any place you listen to your favorites. Don't forget our YouTube channel, AppSite Smackdown.